Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. Christina here today, and on this week's episode with Brooke Miller, we're chatting about pregnancy and postpartum nutrition for parents from a non-diet, weight-inclusive approach. If you're a parent or a recent postpartum parent, you know all too well about the targeted ads that hit parents about getting their body back, all kinds of confusing nutritional advice, and how delicate it can be as a parent trying to navigate supporting themselves nutritionally. Super excited to have this conversation with Brooke about how you don't need to give up any foods or cut calories to to support yourself postpartum. In fact, it can have the opposite effect of what you're looking for, i.e. you end up being a tired parent, undernourished, and running on empty. So all right, let's get straight into it. But for people who don't know you, Brooke, this is Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Um. And I'm really excited to have you on today. And you have an Instagram called Nutrition for Mamas and your own podcast called, oh gosh, what is it called? The Mama Well. I was like, I know wells in the name and I was mixing it up. Um, And so I'm really excited to have you on because you talk so much about pregnancy and also about postpartum nutrition support for for parents. And I think it's really important because a lot, especially with a non- diet, body, image, aware, what health at every size approach, because this field, that time is so delicate for people, um, especially with body image and knowing what to do and caring so much about nutritionally supporting their pregnancy and nutritionally supporting their child, that it can get so overwhelming. And it's so nice to have people in this space who are providing a little breath of fresh air of you don't have to monitor everything that you eat and you don't have to restrict anything. So I'm super excited to have this conversation and I'd love for you to start off by just kind of telling us a little bit about you, how you got into nutrition with a non-diet mentality and kind of body, body image for parents, like how that all evolved. Yeah. So I became a dietitian almost 10 years ago. Um, in my first career, I was helping pregnant postpartum and breastfeeding moms. I was a breastfeeding coordinator, a lactation counselor. Um, and I actually just got recertified a few months ago to continue as a certified lactation counselor. And I just love, I love supporting moms in the breastfeeding stage. I love supporting moms, especially in the postpartum stage. And, um, I was really passionate about it. Uh, and, but I also realized that there was a lot of just gaps in there for moms. You know, you see moms go in for their six week postpartum check. They just get told about birth control or sex, and they just are kind of like moved on their way. And we have so much care for the baby and how the baby's doing and the moms just get neglected. And so that's why 
I love working with moms in this phase so much because there's just a lot going on hormonally. There's a lot of shifts happening and your body is now foreign. Like if you go through pregnancy, your body 100%, there's a 100% chance your body is going to change. Um, and so these moms are in this fragile stage where they're breastfeeding, their body's not their own. Their body has drastically changed in the last nine months, probably more than it ever will. And it just feels foreign. It feels uncomfortable and they're not sure what to do. And there's a huge pressure for moms in society to bounce back, to lose the baby weight by a certain amount of time. And so they're being fed all of this information. Like, what should I be eating? I, you know, a lot of these moms are wanting to protect and increase their milk supply, but then they're also being told to eat a 1200 calorie a day diet, which won't, that doesn't work <laughs> it, it, biologically. It does not work. It does not work. Yeah. And, and then I started seeing moms start dieting and restricting and under eating, and they weren't even realizing that the amount that they were eating was actually under eating because the needs when you're in the first, especially few months postpartum, or if you're breastfeeding, your needs are exceptionally high. Um, and that's why if you ever pump or breastfeed, you're like constantly hungry and thirsty and you feel like just, you can't stop eating because your energy needs are just incredibly, incredibly high. And, um, mom's oftentimes are like, how much should I be eating? And there's just a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And so unfortunately I've seen a lot of moms where they're struggling with their energy. They're struggling with their mood. Um, our nutrition can actually put us at greater risk for postpartum depression. So if we're deficient in certain nutrients, we can actually raise our risk and make the symptoms worse for postpartum depression. Um, and then it can deplete our energy. And then a lot of women are deficient in iron in the first year postpartum, which will cause fatigue. So you're already sleep deprived and now you have fatigue on top of that. So there's just not a lot of knowledge and the deficiencies in under eating can actually cause a ton of harm. Um, and it can just kind of create this cycle that's really difficult to get out of. And so that is why I love working with women in the postpartum period, because not only can we work through body image stuff, but we can actually work on the gentle nutrition part and say, here's what we need to add into our diet and focus on how to add in and get in all the nutrients that we need versus focusing on, you know, counting calories or restricting and just making sure that moms are nourished well is so important. Oh my gosh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I really want to go back to what you said about that six week postpartum appointment because it really reinforces the narrative that you don't matter anymore. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I think about that because it's true. Not that it's not, it's not true. The narrative is true, but it's not factual and doesn't have to be that way, but it is, it's kind of like this 15 minute session with your practitioner basically saying whether or not you can have sex again and if you can start exercising and whether or not you check any boxes for postpartum post postpartum depression forget anxiety for mm -hmm. deprivation honestly i remember when i had elodie that the only person who really really asked me how i was doing was my pediatrician mm -hmm. yeah pediatrician is the one who turns turned to me and and casey and said okay, how are you guys doing? And I remember being like, no one's asked me that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one really thinks about feeding the parent, um, both parents, you know, but mainly the, mainly the, the most, um, the one who just came out of labor, you know, the mother typically, um, 
that's something that I feel like is so easy to, you know, so much, like you said, sometimes it's not even intentional that you don't eat enough. Is sometimes it's intentional because you're like, oh, I need to bounce back and you're feeding into that narrative. Oh, I need to lose weight to get my back and all of the things that were heavily influenced around. And there's a desire to want to do it too. A lot of times too, about not accepting that you're right. A hundred, there's a hundred percent chance your body's going to change for life. Like it's, it's not like there's no such thing to me as bouncing back. I don't even know what that means because forever genetically for the rest of your life. So that whole idea is a huge fallacy to me. But but it's so true that like sometimes it's unintentional because we are on such a it's such a stressful time in a beautiful way, but sometimes a not so beautiful way. New parenthood, having a young child at home, getting bogged down, you're sleep deprived. It's really really easy to fall into a pattern of not supporting yourself and not giving yourself what you need and feeling like every single ounce of every single piece of you has to go towards the baby and the baby's nourishment, which is very important, right? Um, But also at the same time, a lot of those behaviors, we forget that we're kind of throwing fuel on a fire. We're already kind of at this fatigued, (laughs) depressed state, like depressed state in like a nutritionally depressed state, depression, right? That's a whole separate thing. But there's this level of your energy naturally is going to be lower because you don't have the same capacity that you once had when you were pregnant. And quite frankly, I would even say pre-pregnancy because I, I don't have a ton of energy when I'm pregnant. I'm already feeling kind of, I already felt immediately like, oh, everything is different now. And so I really love that you talk about often on your podcast and on your Instagram about how there's such low energy in parenthood already and the behaviors that we're so used to doing and that we gravitate towards from our history with disordered eating or just having dieting patterns in the past or a full-blown eating disorder can really creep up really quickly because it's really easy to succumb to that because we can time have the resources to to fuel myself. Like we said, it kind of digs this hole even deeper. So I would love for you to talk about what you feel like are some of the biggest misconceptions that new parents make, or even, you know, seasoned parents, you know, the more you have, it doesn't get easier, Uh, (laughs) get any easier. But I would love for you to share some of those biggest misconceptions that people are unintentionally and sometimes intentionally falling into their energy. Yeah. So I think, like you said, there's two reasons that we're under eating. And one is the perception that we don't have time or energy to eat. Um, and the truth is we all have the same amount of time in a day and the best way to get energy is to nourish our bodies. Um, of course there's other things that give us energy, like great sleep and managing stress and getting, you know, walking or movement. in, so there are other ways to get energy, but the top way to get energy when we're a new parent is nutrition is through food is through eating enough. And so a lot of parents are unintentionally not eating enough, um, because they perceive that they don't have time. And really the issue with that is a lot of moms are perceiving that 
their nourishment is not a priority compared to the other things that they have on their to-do list. And I get it. Like I have a son with special needs. I take him to all the appointments. I run two businesses. (laughs) Like I don't have, I don't have a lot of time either. Um, but it's all about really trying to manage your time a little bit better and really know that when your needs are taken care of, it's actually going to make you show up better as a mom and you're going to have more energy and it's just going to fuel that fire. So it's like running our car on E all day. If we try to drive around the city and our car's on E for hours and hours and hours at some point, it's going to stop. And then now we have to call somebody and have somebody bring us more gas. Like that's actually going to cost us more time and energy versus every single night or every single morning, just planning and saying, do we have enough food on hand? Do we need to go to the grocery store? Um, something with COVID actually that helped our family a lot was grocery pickup. I, I, I personally hate shopping. I hate going to the grocery store my husband does a majority of the cooking. Um, and he works, you know, 50 hours a week. And so I told him, Hey, I will take over grocery shopping, but I'm doing pickup only. I don't have the time to bring in a toddler who's high risk of getting COVID anyway. (laughs) He was a preemie with, um, who had open heart surgery. So I didn't want to take him in the store anyway, but I started to realize, wow, if I just do a grocery pickup once or twice a week, it's actually saving me time. I can just pick, you know, I'm and now that's, that's time that I don't have to walk around in the store. Um, and I'm a huge fan of having balanced snacks that are really simple, something that's either ready to grab and go or something that you can make in under five minutes. Um, and then breastfeeding moms, especially like anytime you're nursing, you really should be eating. So you should be eating every two to three hours. If you're postpartum doesn't mean a whole meal, it can definitely be a smoothie or a snack or something small. Um, and then for meals, we are huge fans of if it takes 30 minutes or longer, like we're not going to make it unless it's a weekend. Um, and we batch a ton of stuff on the weekends and eat leftovers all week. Um, so there are strategies that you can do. Um, and I think again, moms just have this perception that our needs shouldn't come first and it can reflect with us saying we don't have the time or energy, but truthfully, we're going to have better energy. We're going to show up better when we just make that little bit of time to eat. And the truth is you and I have three-year-olds. Our three-year-olds are eating about every, every three hours or so. And so I always tell moms who have toddlers, Hey, you have to sit down to feed your toddler. Your toddler has to eat every three hours. We understand that our toddlers can't go too long without eating. So when you're making your toddler a snack, eat the same thing or eat something that's just as quick and easy. Um, so something my toddler and I, we have snack together every single day. Um, we, I always sit down and eat a snack with them or I'll make a smoothie and we'll just kind of drink it in the living room while we play. So there are ways to get around it, but those of us with toddlers, like our kids are already eating. So we should be eating essentially when our toddlers are eating or when our baby is nursing or taking a bottle, um, we should be almost eating as often as our babies are eating too. 1000%. It's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking about that narrative of when your baby's sleeping, you should be sleeping. And most parents, if you're out there, know like, well, that's not realistic. Because if you're sleeping when your child's sleeping, all the other things don't get don't get done too. But I do believe wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly that the narrative should really be and the saying should be when your child's eating, you're eating. Right. Like I 100% what the, what the saying needs to be moving 
So if you need to write that down, put that someplace, have it be visual. When you're eating, you're, when your child's eating, you should be eating. I honestly believe that that is the way that it needs to be. And I think that it needs to be a huge mindset shift because we are so focused on getting something for for our child and making sure that they're eating at regular intervals. But we seem to forget, or at least there's a natural kind of inclination to put off our own personal nutritional needs. And one thing that I will say often that you you kind of alluded to, and if any of my clients are listening to this, they've heard this a thousand times from me, but energy begets energy. You can get all the sleep in the world. And if you're not fueling yourself with energy, you ain't going to have it. Like Yes. Amen. End of the story. You're not going to have it if you're not providing it. You have to provide it. Even if you're getting rest, even if you're doing all the things, I don't care how much acupuncture you're doing, it's not going to give you energy if you're not giving yourself energy. And so especially even more so when we're fatigued, when we're running on empty, like you mentioned, when we're having, we're doing all of the things and trying to manage all of the pieces. So the only way you're going to be able to have the capacity for the things that you were mentioning, Brooke, around having more accessibility to food, like, you know, meal prepping and batch cooking and all those things take energy (laughs) in order to execute. You have to make the energy in order to be able to do it. Because can have the capacity. And that's something that I talk about a lot is, okay, we feel like that feels far away and difficult. So how can we meet us where we are and increase our capacity first? Like we can do it. What can we do to increase our capacity so we can start to do stuff like that? Do we need to bring in tools? Like, do I need to order a meal kit? Do I need to order, you know, something like daily harvest? So I have something available on my family, on my family and friends and say, Hey, we need a meal train sap because I'm in the weeds over here and I need some help. Or can I, what can I do to get food more accessible? And it doesn't have to necessarily be expensive. How do I make it more accessible to me so that it's easier for me to do it? The last thing any new parent needs is to go to the refrigerator, starving and having nothing there overly complicated in order to make it happen. That's things that I think is like kryptonite. Yeah, that's actually that's actually funny because my best friend and my partner over at the Mama Well, um she's a dietitian as well and she had her first son before I did. And so when I was pregnant with my son, she's like I'm setting up a meal train, you need to eat and we had so many friends and family especially because our son was in the NICU. Um we had so many friends and family drop us off food in that first month and I can't even tell you how amazing that was and so now whenever my friends have babies, I if they don't live in the if they don't live in Colorado, I send them a, a gift card for, I'm like, do you want Grubhub? Do you want Postmates? Like I'm sending you food. Yes. I could send your baby a cute outfit, but I would rather give you and your husband a nice meal <laughs> that you don't have to cook. Um, and then of course, if they're local, it's like, Hey, can I drop off some food? Um, and always asking how the mom is doing. And so that's really, sh- that's something that's really shifted for me. Like having my own son is like, that's so important. And then, like you said, there are other tools that you may just have to pull in for a season. So a meal train. Um, yeah, like you might have to just order more takeout. You might have to do something like HelloFresh. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to do it forever. Something that I actually teach inside of my nourish after baby course is when you're pregnant, 
doing um, batch freezing meals. That way, when the baby's born, you have a ton of meals in the freezer that are already ready to go. So there's a lot of strategies that you can do. Um, and it just will make your life so much easier. But like you said, you have to break out of that cycle. And it might just mean that today you start adding in one or two snacks and that's and that's where you start for a few weeks. And then from there you get, you know, a little bit better about planning ahead. And maybe you start doing grocery pickups instead of going to the store. So you can slowly start implementing the, these things. You don't have to do the all or nothing approach where you're like not cooking at all. And all of a sudden trying to make everything at home. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, so much of that is meeting yourself where you are and slowly kind of integrating new things back, integrating things in that, you know, are going to be supportive. And, um, I totally agree with you. I hate that there is, I mean, I get it. The baby's cute. We want to fawn over it, all the things, but we don't need another onesie. What I need is a snack and what I need is a nap and, and coffee. Like that'd be great. And I'll, I'll never forget my friend. Um, so she was a nanny for years. And so she kind of, she kind of knows the drill. And so I remember she was like the only person in my life at the time. And my parents came and they cooked a bunch of meals for us while they were here. But then afterwards it was now, what do we, (laughs) now what do we do? And my friend showed up with like 15 meals, 15 meals, a bunch of snacks, like a ton of stuff. And what she did was why it was so many meals is she made them all individually sized so that I could pop them into the, re- into the microwave just for me. And I remember she turned to my husband and said, none of these are for you Christina, for when she's nursing and when she needs to eat, we, we will figure you out, but you can go to the store, you can get stuff, but she's in the weeds and she's kind of like, you're cause that, in some ways I refer to us as like, it became like, you become bed people where you're like, Oh, you're just kind of living in this, like weird 24 hour cycle between feedings and sleepings and wakings and feedings and sleep. And it's just this whole cycle. And so it is really nice. And I'll say it over and over again, like the things that you're talking about, like using, pulling in those things that you need for that season or prepping beforehand. If you have, again, the capacity, right? Some people, when you're pregnant, you're feeling really tired. It's hard for you to make a meal things in advance. So I've told, um, clients of mine, that's when you ask your family, each family member who's coming to bring a baby, coming to see the baby, you got to bring them. You got to, yeah, you got to bring food. You got to bring food when you come. And that's how we're going to, that's, that's one way of doing it. If you can't do it yourself, if you feel like it's too overwhelming. Um, but I'm sure your course breaks down how to take the overwhelm out. of. But it's so, it's so helpful because I really do think, um, Think about how much easier it is for you to execute basically anything in your life when it feels more accessible, the tools available. When you have the tools available, it's not that hard. If it is hard, then we look at the things like what's driving you from not prioritizing yourself. But things are playing a role. Like, is there stuff around not wanting to eat because we want to lose weight? How is that playing a role? How is that impacting you? And There are so many things that influence that so much and so heavily that it makes it so hard to get over that hump to, to even like the, people have this idea of, um, well, I shouldn't eat too much because I, it's like they, they ignore that ravenous hunger that you feel postpartum and it's, your body just went through so much how much you're, you put your body through 
and how much recovery you need to ignore mother's recovery need for recovery, like in so many different ways. One, so many factors. We go back to work too quickly, too quickly. We're not supported by our government or our jobs in order to do that. So there's a lot of pressure back and do and go back to the swing of things. There's not a lot of support in that way, but there's also so much heavily targeted um, influence for weight loss and getting your body back. I It drives me insane. And I always think like, why why do you think they're so heavily targeted for that? It's just, it's an easy target, you know, like we're easy targets because the weight loss industry knows, okay, 100% of women who get pregnant will gain weight. Like their bodies will change 100% of them. And so they know that if they can just tell moms enough times, you have to get your body back, or you're going to be a better mom if you lose the weight or, you know, holding onto the baby weight for X amount of time is wrong. If they keep feeding us this narrative, they're going to make more money. I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar industry and they don't necessarily understand the implications of what can happen. And we know if we have a patient in the medical nutrition therapy world who just underwent a, a major surgery, like a C-section, which is a major surgery, or even a vaginal birth, even though there's like not necessarily all these sutures, your body just went through something massive. And so we know as clinical dietitians, when we have a patient that's going through a massive surgery and healing, we tell them, Hey, you need to up your protein. You actually need to up your calories. Even though you're in bed resting, your body's trying to heal as fast as it can. And we know nutrition. I mean, science will back this up. There is so many important parts of nutrition that can help you heal faster. And the weight loss industry doesn't care how fast we heal. They don't care if we're deprived. They don't, they know that if we see some sort of results quickly, that we're going to keep coming back to this. And they also know that it's not sustainable long-term for us to go on a low calorie diet or do keto or counterpoints or counter calories. They know that nobody can do that for 10, 20, 30 years. So what happens is we try to do it. We might see some, you know, quote unquote progress or weight loss initially. Um, but then our metabolism slows down and it, it ends up like balancing out our metabolism slows down. Moms are like, what the heck? I'm still eating a thousand calories a day and I'm gaining weight or I'm not losing weight or I've lost all this muscle mass. You haven't even lost fat. You've lost just muscle mass, which hurts our metabolism even more. And then they think, oh, I might as well fail. And then they bounce back between this like restrict binge cycle. And then they feel like they failed and that it's willpower. And then they go back to that diet. And then every single time they go to a new diet or go back to that restriction phase, it ends up backfiring on us because the reason we're going to that is to try to lose weight. But we know our set point weight goes up the more diets we go on and the more we restrict, um, the more that we go through this cycle. So instead of, and I even tell moms, like, it's okay to desire weight loss. It's okay to feel uncomfortable in your body. We live in a society that puts all of this pressure on us. So I understand that I even felt that pressure. Um, but instead of thinking, how can I get down to the thinnest version of myself, really ask yourself, how can I nourish my body so well that it's just taken care of and trust that it will naturally find its set point weight when it needs to. And as a lactation counselor, some women, they do lose the baby weight quickly. And some women hold on to the baby weight while they nurse to protect their supply. And there's no right or wrong. Um, I've had women that have had both scenarios with different pregnancies. And so 
our, our hormones make a huge difference on our weight. And the more we diet, the more it actually screws up our metabolism and our hormones. And so not to mention another thing now, this is kind of like a, a tangent a little bit, but I think it's relevant. One of the things too, that really bothers me about the, about the postpartum weight loss focus is that it's praised so much too. And we don't really look at why it's happening to begin with. It's always a good thing. <laughs> like sometimes you're losing a ton of weight because you have your stress is so out of control or your anxiety, your postpartum anxiety or depression is so bad that you're not getting the nourishment that you need. And no one's asking those questions. Instead, they're turning to you and saying, you look great. Everything must and meanwhile, internally, you're having this like complete breakdown and seeing you for what's actually happening. And quite frankly, that kind of happened to me postpartum. When I had postpartum, um, I lost a ton of weight right immediately afterwards. And it really wasn't identified that it was probably a thyroid issue. That, and I remember people would comment and I, I remember saying to my partner, like someone said to me like, oh, you're wasting away as if it was a good thing. And I had already been doing this work and I had already started talking to a doctor around, you know, I have, a, I'm eating all the time and I feel depleted and I can't, I can't for it. Turns out there was a, a hyperthyroid type rebound that was happening that no one identified and everyone praised me for it. People literally said, you've never looked healthier. What the hell? I've never felt sicker. <laughs> you know. And that's like a big thing too, is that not all postpartum weight loss is necessarily an indication of you getting your quote unquote body back or that you're doing, you're doing better. It can sometimes be a sign of something severely going wrong internally you being depleted of nutrients and there's a lot of signs. And I remember, um, yeah, I just think that that's also part of it too. That's not heavily discussed that really drives me bonkers and no one really, and it makes it hard too, because you know, what person myself included doesn't like the attention of people saying stuff like that, even though, you know, I knew at the time that it wasn't serving me and I didn't, I wasn't actively trying to lose weight in any way. I was a non-diet nutritionist at the time, you know, but people are making these comments and you can ignore it really easily. But it took a while for me to advocate for myself and say, Hey, something's not right. Like something's not going on quite right. And, um, I don't feel well, like I don't feel well. And I feel like I'm like the wasting away was an accurate description, but not a compliment. It was more internal reality that I was feeling. And so I think it's really interesting. And one of the things that I think happened too, because that six week mark postpartum, you never go back you know, unless you, unless you make it, an effort to go back for your pap smear or whatever you need to do for going back to your practitioner. You don't historically go back. You just kind of go into motherhood. And so it can be really complicated and hard to navigate postpartum body image and, po and especially when you have doctors that are hyper-focused on oh, you're within a good BMI, everything's great, or good for you, you lost your baby weight, or all of those things too, or saying, what are some of the things, like, I guess the question I'm asking for is, what are some of the things that 
that you try to focus on and support pregnant individuals postpartum to focus on when body changes can be so triggering, right? How do you, yeah. how do you advocate for yourself in with your practitioners? Yeah. With doctors, especially. Yeah. This is something that, um, I mean, thank goodness my doctors have never pressured me with my pregnancy and my BMI is obese and they've never once said, Oh, you need to lose weight. Um, you shouldn't gain X amount during your pregnancy. In fact, with my son, he had growth restriction. And so my doctors, they told me, Hey, you need to stop exercising, um, because of your placenta flow. And that was the only conversation I had ever had about weight. However, um, my clients have not been so lucky. I've had clients that have gone into the doctor's office while trying to conceive or getting pregnant or in the postpartum period. And their doctors say, Hey, you need to lose weight during pregnancy, or you need to lose weight, um, faster, or we need to do something about this as if their weight is a problem. And exactly like you said, weight gain, um, or weight loss, it can be a symptom and it can be a sign that something is not well in our body. And I've had, I worked with cancer patients for five years. And the number one thing they would say is I went to the doctor, I got praised for weight loss. It was cancer. Now I'm stage four and I'm going to die. And had that doctor said, wow, you've lost weight rapidly. What's been going on. And had the doctor dug a little deeper and said, oh, you haven't changed really anything in your diet or your lifestyle, but you're losing all this weight that should be a red flag that we need to dig deeper. So I do, I do sometimes with intuitive eating and health at every size, some people say like, just ignore weight. You should never look at it. But, um, in some instances, like rapid weight loss or rapid weight gain can just be a sign of something going on, um, where we should dig a little deeper and same thing with, um, like rapid weight gain. Um, sometimes I've had clients with the exact same situation where it's like, I'm gaining weight. Like nothing else has changed in my life. And it turns out they have a hormonal imbalance that just got missed. And these doctors are like, Oh, just diet and do this. And now they're doing all these things that are not helpful. Um, and they could have just gotten on a medication to control their thyroid. Um, and that was like the root cause. And so I think we as like healthcare pro professionals, we need to really look at the whole picture. And again, weight can be a sign of something, um, but we shouldn't be treating weight because weight's not a behavior. We always need to be looking at the root cause. Um, so that's, that's like one thing. And another thing I always tell clients is if you go to the doctor's office, um, you can say, Hey, I don't feel comfortable getting weighed. Or if they need weight for insurance purposes to have it on record, you can do a blind weight. You can shut your eyes. Um, and you can say like, if your doctor says, Hey, based on your weight, you shouldn't be doing this, or you should go on a low calorie diet, or you should be doing this. I always come back to that and say, okay, if my BMI was normal, what advice would you have for me? And see what they say, because if they say, Oh, your BMI, if your BMI is normal, I would just tell you to exercise or do this. And then you say, well, I'm already doing these things. Right. Um, and that's where you can open up that conversation with your provider and you can say, Hey, you know, I'm exercising this amount of time. This is what my daily intake looks like with vitamins and nutrients and, um, these things like what other suggestions, what other behaviors and suggestions do you have? Um, and come at it from that lens. And a lot of times doctors won't feel as defensive. Um, when you're just saying, Hey, if my BMI was normal, what, what would you recommend for me? What would we be looking into? Um, so that's, those are some really good tactics to use with your provider. And you can always look for a new doctor too. I know I was, it's sometimes it's not that easy depending on where you live. It can be really limited and you do have to pick, you know, your battles on, on the provider that you choose on, their skill sets or the needs that you have or, or what have you. Another thing that I'll tell clients to 
when they're advocating is in pregnancy too, is more of like, um, can you show me the labs? Is there anything coming in my lab work that's giving you an indication that something's concerning here? Other than my weight, is there is there is there indication of gestational diabetes? Is there is my child not gaining weight enough? Um, are there things or signs that you could be that I could be looking into, or anything in the labs that are coming back that are giving an indication that something is amiss here, and I need to support it? And if that's the case, what do I need to just do to support it? And if I had a BMI within a normal range, what advice would you give me? There are nutritionists that I should be working with to support me on the behaviors that can help support this. You know, those are the things to go that way um, can be really, really helpful with kind of navigating that. Another thing too that I um, I agree wholeheartedly, I get blind weed at my um, midwife appointments too because I just don't need to see it. Like I don't want to see it. I don't need to. It's triggering for me with my past. And it to me, it literally doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all for everything. What I care about is if my baby's growing, what I care about, am I growing? Um, am I doing what I need to do? Am I supporting my pregnancy? So too, like remembering that as a postpartum individual too, thinking about, am I supporting my child? Am I supporting myself? And am I giving my child enough um, me? Like, am I giving enough to myself in order to give to my child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times when we're so focused on weight and losing the weight, we aren't present with our families. We're not present with our kids. And so just being able to have awareness and identify if body image is a struggle for you postpartum, you're not alone, but also identifying where are these triggers stemming from? Is it when I step on the scale, is it a comment from my doctor? Um, where are the biggest triggers coming up in my life? And can I manage those? And sometimes it's setting, setting a boundary. Sometimes it's having a conversation. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to prevent it. You can only prevent or handle your response to it. Um, so understanding how to identify triggers and work through triggers is so important with body image. And that's something that's just not talked about. Um, and moms need to know how to do that because so many of us struggle in that postpartum period with body image, your body, like you said in the beginning, your body's so foreign and it's so changed and you have to get to know it all over again, which is complicated and it's hard. And you're getting to getting to know yourself as an, in this new role in this new place. Um, it's just so important as we wrap up from all this conversation. I love it. I could feel like we could talk for a lot longer. I know <laughs> I'd love for you to, to share something. If, someone were to get just one message from you around anything we talked about or anything important to you that you feel like would be important for a postpartum or a, a pregnant individual, what do you want them to hear? Uh, I think just that your needs matter too. Um, and just because you're saying me too, doesn't, doesn't mean me instead. It doesn't, just because your nutrition matters and your health matters and your mental health matters, it doesn't mean that you're taking away from your baby. It's actually going to help support your baby and family best when you, you know, ask for help and self-care isn't selfish. Asking for help isn't selfish. It's a really hard time in your life and it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway is that your needs are just as important as anyone else's. Your needs matter and, um, you deserve that. You deserve to have that. It's just going to help you have a much better pregnancy and postpartum period when, when you like allow yourself permission to have that and ask, ask 
permission from others to have that as well. Thank you so much. What a great message. um, As we kind of tie up here, could you share where people can find you, all the things, and if there's anything exciting that you have right now, like your course, or I think I saw a challenge going on. Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) Things that people can find you and join in on all the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. The best way to connect with me is on Instagram at nutrition for mamas. Um, otherwise on Instagram at the dot mama dot well. And of course the mama well podcast is a great resource. Um, Instagram and the podcast will definitely be the most up to date with what's going on right now. We're in the middle of a love your mom body, uh, challenge. And then we actually are hosting a free class on April or I'm sorry, March 21st on, um, how moms can handle cravings. So if you're struggling with cravings, um, I can definitely link that. And then I have the nourished after baby course. It's completely self-paced. The course is designed for moms, um, in the first year postpartum and how to nourish their bodies. I've had women get it, um, and give it as baby shower gifts to expecting moms, which is like, honestly, if you're, if you're pregnant, this is like the perfect time to take it just because you can start learning some of these strategies, implement and uh, plan ahead. That way, when you have the baby, you feel really prepared, especially with breastfeeding. There's a ton of breastfeeding information in there as well. So I can definitely link that all below, but those are typically where you can connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brooke. It was awesome having you on and maybe we'll have to have you on in the future after we're both postpartum and we can talk about the realities. Of two. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.